We're getting our daily dose of culture today on The Grace of Giving. Hello, and welcome to The Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley and Grace Prasniewski. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Very excited to have our next guest on. I am as well, and considering that you and I are both on the somewhat artsy, creative side, I think our next guest is going to fit in perfectly. (laughs) That's right, G, definitely. With no further ado, please welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast, Academic Advancement Director of Arts and Architecture, Katie Orenchuk. Katie, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you guys? Very good good today. Thursday, the sun is out. I think the weather is supposed to be in the 80s. This is perfect. Beautiful. No doubt. Katie, tell us a little bit about your your background. Where'd you grow up? So I am Hoosier born and bred. Uh, Grew up in Indianapolis. Both the parents are Indiana farm kids from little towns you've probably never even heard of. Um, So yeah, I spent my whole life in Indiana through college, Notre Dame undergrad. Uh, Got out a little bit. Lived in Texas and D.C. and Illinois and all over the place and came back recently. So, yeah, nice. mostly, mostly, mostly Hoosier. I hear you. Glad you're, <laughs> glad you're back. Uh, which, which high school did you go to? Uh, ben Davis High School in Indianapolis. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when everybody is like super excited about Penn up here, I'm like, I know no. oh, Ben Davis has been like, we used to play <laughs> Ben Davis back in the day when I went to Riley and we could never win in any sport, ping pong, you name it, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how good we were at academics, but we were awesome at sports. So. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Um, so tell us a little bit about your time as a student here at Notre Dame. Yeah, it was I mean, it's hard to underestimate the power of Notre Dame, right? When you come in, I mean, I had been looking out at East at schools and, you know, at one point my mom was like, you know, you've always liked Notre Dame. God knows why we're not a Notre Dame family. We were a Purdue family up until the day I entered, you know, the university. Um, And it was just incredibly special, right? I mean, it's some of it's the typical sort of experience for everybody. You find a group of friends that are your lifelong friends. You, you know, try to find yourself and discover what you love. Um, So, yeah, it was just fantastic. I will say it was very interesting. I didn't convert to Catholicism until later in life. So I was um, Methodist when I entered school. And I feel like the first semester, I like took all the notes for class. And then I took all the notes of all the terms they were using that I had no idea what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very unique, but very fun. So I loved it. I loved my four years here. It was was brilliant. Yes, that same here. I converted to Catholicism. I think I was 25 or 26, I want to say. So yeah. just later in life, did it right in the Basilica on campus. It was very beautiful. And I remember to this day, just the whole process of getting there and feeling just joy, overjoyed uh, with, the, with the process and entering the Catholic Church. So that's yeah. my little splice of Notre Dame history there. Uh, yeah. w- were you interested in pursuing a career in the arts uh, as a student? Well, no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so, I mean, I did marching band and I did theater and I did all that stuff. And then at some point you realize you're incredibly average at all of it. So <laughs> you're like, I enjoy it, but if I want to eat and, you know, have a place to live, then, um, this is not my path. So I went for just, you know, enjoying it, right. Mm-hmm. Just loving it and, and being part of the audience instead of trying to be on stage or anything like that. So that's something else we share. Uh, maybe I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> was, the, just, marching band. Yeah, the marching band. <laughs> yeah. What'd you play? Oh, Katie? you were marching. Oh, I played trombone. Okay. Yeah. I was a snare drummer. Oh, drumline. Nice. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. 
That's great. Yeah. What um wait so James what did you major in at Notre Dame? I was sociology so sociology. Okay, Katie, what were you? History and political science. All right, okay. similar, similar, yeah, yeah, not the yeah. same. <laughs> did you ever take any any classes, Katie, in the uh, the Riley Design Studio or Hall of Arts? I forget what. I know I did it. My roommate did. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I posed for some of her projects. So I spent some time <laughs> in Riley. There's some insane pictures of me out there somewhere. Um, but I, I myself, when it comes to visual arts like painting and drawing, I am mm-hmm. I'm not average. I am empathetic. No. So again, <laughs> just just want to love it. Not do you. it. <laughs> know, you, know your strengths, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Too funny. Um, so you mentioned that you you've sort of been a couple different places since graduating. Um, what brought you back to Notre Dame? It's funny. It's like, okay, so I had this great career in Chicago, right? Like, you know, um, family and, and friends and my sister lived there and, and I loved what I was doing. Um, but after a while, like, I feel like every alumni kind of gets, we all have a servant heart, right? I think if you go to Notre Dame, you know, there's a kind of the joke that we never say I, but we always say we, and you get to that point. I was like, I just stepped off a, a successful campaign at the library I was working at and I wanted something different. I wanted something new. Um, and I learned of this role that was opening up and I, you know, kind of networked with people over a few years, kind of like, do I want to go back to Notre Dame? You know, do I, is it something I just want to love and not be a part of? Um, and then this job opened up and I was like, oh man, arts and Notre Dame. Okay. Okay. God, I got you. Like, <laughs> this is the path. I got all the signs. This is fantastic. So, um, it was something I just couldn't resist. And, you know, and Notre Dame has changed so much physically since I graduated. So I graduated in 04 and you think about what's happened between 04 and 2019 where I started and so much exciting things were happening and, um, it was just hard to say no. Mm-hmm. What dorm did you live? Uh, Pangborn. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's something yeah. else that, that, well, we don't share the same dorm, but we're in the same uh, reunion <laughs> cycle because I'm 94, you're 04. So. Nice. Yeah. Look at us. We're, we're so parallel. <laughs> <laughs> so AAD for arts and architecture. Tell us a little bit about your job, what you do and all that good stuff. Sure. So I am... I'm sure all the AEDs feel this way about their job, but I feel like I have the best one because I get to work with the School of Architecture, the Barlow Performing Arts Center, and the Stein Museum of Art. Mm. So I get all the fun arts and, and you know, beautiful buildings and great venues. And um, so what I really love about the role of an AED is, you know, I mean, it's similar. It's similar to RDs in that what we're trying to do is connect people with what they're passionate about all the time. And I couldn't ask for a better role, right? You get to promote things that you feel um, really interested in. You get to work with fantastic people on the development team. You get to interact with some of our phenomenal benefactors here at Notre Dame. And I just feel like every day I'm making connections and promoting art and helping people succeed. Um, it's, it's a good ask for a better job. Do you have, well, I guess, before COVID, did, did you have a physical yeah. office in one of the three buildings at all? Or? So, yeah, I was a total vagabond, right? I mean, I have an office <laughs> at Eddy Street that I would see maybe once a week. Um, and then I had shared offices in DPAC. I shared with the um, Oregon faculty. I share an office at the Snite. And then I had a shared office with another adjunct faculty in School of Architecture. So, you know, wow. sharing is caring. <laughs> well, there's been so much great uh, movement around arts at Notre Dame. I mean, obviously the new School of Architecture, there's plans for a new art museum. Um, can you kind of tell us a little bit more about this like arts district idea 
that we're sort of in the midst of right now? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, what's great. It's a fantastic question, by the way. Um, I love it because, you know, I think the term is there, right? We agree that there's some sort of arts district or area or whatever we want to call it being built on the South side of campus. Um, and that's exciting for a couple of reasons. One, um, badly needed, didn't exist. You know, I want to say, you know, when we were students here, um, we had Washington hall, which was built in the late 1800s. And we had this night, if you were here after 1980, um, but we didn't have this like overarching commitment to the arts. And when you think about the tradition of the Catholic church, I mean, one of the biggest purveyor of arts in the world. Right. Um, so it aligns perfectly, I think with the greater mission of the school. Um, so the district itself, um, you know, I think is our commitment to a link between the arts and the students, between the arts and the community. Um, and what is our unified view? And I actually think we don't have an answer to that question yet. It's, it's, it's something I'm working on with a bunch of people to figure out how do we define arts at Notre Dame? What are we committed to? What do we want to promote to our students? Um, but in the meantime, we've made an incredible commitment and this sort of like physical presence, um, for people to go and enjoy. So I just think the evolution of it is amazing. And I'm looking forward to really sort of, um, sitting down with arts leaders on campus and figuring out like what? what do we want? What's our, mm-hmm. what's our vision? What's our dream? So Thanks it's a great for, place to be in. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. The the Catholic church being one of the largest purveyors of, of art, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that, but now that I think of that statement, it, it, it's absolutely true. Uh, everything. Right? That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be- you think about going into a church, mm-hmm. yep. what is it filled with? That's right. right. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. art, No doubt. So can yeah. you tell us about the, the various uh, stakeholders that you work with, like the Snipe Museum director, Joe Becker, or the, the new dean of the School of Architecture, Stefanos Poilesodis? Yeah. I know yeah. I probably we, didn't say that right. We but. love our we love our Greek deans at the School of Architecture. What can I say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I work with uh, three fantastic leaders. So, right. So we'll, st- we'll start with Stefanos. So, you know, brand new dean. You know, he's had years as a practicing um, architect, brings an incredible experience to the table, relationships, vision. And, you know, working with him has been really interesting because before him, the school had only had one dean and that dean is Michael Lacutis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a huge culture shift for the school. And I think, you know, honoring like all the history and all the amazing work that Michael did. But now we have a new leader in here who, um, you know, every time he talks to me about, you know, the different goals and priorities he has for the school, I feel incredibly inspired. Um, so I think he's going to be a great new voice for the school and has some, you know, really really like overwhelming ideas sometimes. Um, you know, usually when I think about them from the funding perspective, I'm like, think smaller, but you know what I mean? Like, but for the school, I think it's going to be phenomenal and really make Mm -hmm. us probably one of the best architecture schools in the world. And if we could accomplish all of it. So, you know, think big, huge, it's really fantastic. And I I mean, I would parallel that with the the two other folks that I work with. So Joe Becker at the Snite, he's got a year under his belt. He's had years of experience as a curator, as a nonprofit leader, um, and you know, he's going to be an incredible voice for the new art museum. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think anybody who works with him comes away completely inspired and wanting to know more and wanting to be involved. And then, you know, that mirrors my experience with Ted Barron at Deepak, my, my most senior person now in his <laughs> position. <laughs> um, so, and he's just done wonderful things to bring the arts on campus, align them with what our academic priorities are for students, bring huge names, um, 
you know, fingers crossed, we can still have Yaya Ma here on campus. You know, we'll see in the time of COVID. But I mean, just think that's the level of person that we're bringing to campus for students to see wow. while they're here. Um, so I just feel like, you know, we have three people that are in completely, you know, sort of different timelines here at Notre Dame, but are going to make a phenomenal and are making a phenomenal impact. So that's that's my everyday. That's What's- I was going to ask the update there with Yo-Yo Ma. Is there any any change so far? No. no. That, I mean, we're just, you know, we got to wait and see. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Put him in the stadium and we'll Ooh, just all social distance. Because how right. cool would that be? Yeah. But, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's my dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you sort of uh, touched on this a little bit in one of the previous questions, but the the arts at Notre Dame are obviously, you know, important for the the students, the environment on campus, but really important for the community, too, with Mm -hmm. this sort of larger Michiana community. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you can just speak a little bit about that and sort of the importance of a strong arts program for really getting the entire local community um, interacting and engaged with Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think all of us, you know, not only right, you know, just the three of us here, but I think pretty much everybody has some arts experience they can think of when they were in elementary school or junior high or high school. Um, You know, for me, one of my standouts is I remember the Indianapolis Opera came and did a performance of um, some excerpts from Carmen at school. Right. So you hear this like majestic music and that stuck with me for years. And so. Um, I think arts in and of itself isn't just an important experience for the sake of it, but also for what it teaches us. So a great example is, you know, every fourth grader in the South Bend area will come to this night in a normal year um, to look at our Native American collection because they're learning about local history and, you know, what Indiana and how it evolved. And, you know, they can see that through the art that we have, Um, you know, all the South Bend kids will come to Deepak for a performance and, um, you know, just seeing live music is so important and being comfortable, right? One of the things that keeps people from coming and to performances is, well, I don't know how to act. When do I clap? When do I, you know, how close to the art can I get spoiler alert? I get yelled at pretty much every time I go to an art museum. You can't get that close. Let me tell you. Um, and it's creating that comfort among those students and being able to really, um, you know, find a way to express themselves. And so I think, you know, what Deepak and Snite do so importantly are provide opportunities for students and community members to feel comfortable and welcome and learn more about history or just come and enjoy a show or look at their own heritage or their own sort of local, um, you know, uh, local projects that are going on. So I can't underestimate, I think, the power that the arts have on especially younger students, um, but students and community members of any ages. Um, It gives you a whole different way to express and understand. I love I love how you mentioned it, Katie, like everything is now on the south side of, of campus uh, and it's accessible to the community. Yeah. They can just walk right onto campus and go to the museum, go to the DPAC. Uh, and when you and I were students here, at least when I was a student here, that used to be kind of a wall. There was uh, mm-hmm. you know, trees there and it felt very shut off to the community. And I love how we've opened it up now to South Bend and, and, and inviting people to come and enjoy these these arts on campus. So yeah, thanks for. I being think it's going to be that. really exciting. Just, just kind of an off, off question. You mentioned getting close to, to art and to getting a little bit too close. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've noticed. Uh, I think when I went to the Chicago Museum of Art, you can now take pictures of certain 
pieces of mm-hmm. art, but other pieces you can't take pictures. So is there any yeah. sci- science behind that? Uh, that you There know is. Um, well, so there's two, probably two reasons. One is, you know, you're never supposed to use a flash, mm-hmm. right? Right. But, God bless. Somebody's going to end up using a flash. Um, So, you know, there it can be very strict because that will damage art. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing is oftentimes when you go to museums, they might have items that are on loan, um, either from private collectors or other institutions, and they may not have the rights to let you take pictures. Oh, yes. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Hmm. I love learning stuff like that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a deeper question. I thought you were going to say you set an alarm off because Art Institute (laughs) a lot of times has like the um, kind of like invisible perimeter around art, like sculpture and stuff. And I've seen those. Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Let me knock on (laughs) wood so I don't do that anytime soon. (laughs) Let me tell you, take those seriously. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So tell us about your, your proudest professional accomplishment so far. Yeah. So, you know, it's such an interesting question because there are little things that make you incredibly proud. Right. And there's really big things that make you proud. Um, I think one of the things that makes me proud, um, although let's be honest, we don't do anything in our career that isn't a team of people. Right. We don't Mm -hmm. act alone. So when I say I, I mean, I'm really proud of like all of us who work together and, and made it happen. Um, but one of the biggest projects I've been involved in was at the, my job, um, actually right before this one, um, I was the vice president for development at Newberry library, which is this amazing, um, research library in Chicago. That's still, um, open to the public, free and open to the public. Right. So anybody can come. And if you really want to look at one of the, um, Shakespeare's folios, you can come. It takes an ID, right? Like, so really great mission. And, uh, I led my first capital campaign there. Um, and we renovated the entire historic first floor of the museum. And I think the night we opened that up and showed people what we had done and how we had improved the resources and everything like that. I mean, that was a proud moment, right? You made you one, you made something that was already accessible, even more friendly and accessible and to draw more people in. And the other thing is, um, you know, one of the reasons I love, working in the genre that I do and and development and university relations and things like that is always said my, my proudest moments always standing in the back of a dark theater, knowing that what happens on stage, you played a role in that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not playing a role on stage, which is to the benefit of everyone, (laughs) but it's that moment where you stand in the back and see something incredibly successful happen and know that you played a role in that. So, um, the, the campaign, you know, stands out in my mind because that was a huge responsibility, but I think just those little moments, Mm -hmm. right? Like you kind of have this like sense of accomplishment over and over and over again. So, it's just, it's a great feeling. Well, this is another sort of um, one-off question just for my own education. As you've been talking, I've been thinking yeah. about it. Um, the arts is sort of an interesting space for development, right? Because you can have sort of outright gifts, but then people also donate artworks, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. can you kind of talk about, like, what's the split usually? Or is it really dependent on, like, what kind of institution you are? I think it really depends on the institution and what you're pursuing. Um, I mean, a lot, I mean, let's use the example of the Art Institute, right? They're uh, all God's children art museum. Like they collect in so many different areas. So there's all this possibility for, you know, donation of art and um, and for people to make gifts. And, you know, someplace like this night, we have pretty specific collecting areas that we collect in because we don't have the capacity. We don't have the capacity of the Art Institute or the Met or any of those huge museums. Um, 
And I think one of the things that's so exciting at Notre Dame is yes, we've, we've had wonderful donations of art and, and Joe has already brought in, um, the entire works of two artists, um, a fantastic modern artist, um, Jim Dine and a sculptor, Ken Snelson. And I think we have so much more potential here at Notre Dame, right? So to answer your question, I don't know what the percentage is, but that's a fantastic question. But I do know there's possibility for more, especially here on campus. So interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so kind of maybe playing into that, thinking about gifts. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you could make one thing happen for like the arts at Notre Dame with a snap mm. of your fingers, like you wake up tomorrow and you've got the funding for it. Um, what would it be? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. All right. So if I could fairy godmother up the arts at Notre Dame, um, you know what? Okay. So this is only my own opinion, not speaking on behalf of anyone else. I would probably do what a couple of other um, major universities have done and create an office for the arts. That is an office dedicated solely to um, branding and fundraising and um well, not necessarily fundraising, but, you know, branding and, and creating like across campus arts opportunities and, you know, mm-hmm. festival and things like that, but having a unified voice mm. for the arts. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That would be cool. Let's do that. It'd be really fun. Let's I do know. It. <laughs> All right. The three of us have decided. Let's go. We, we've, sna- we've snapped our fingers. That's right. right. <laughs> I've upgraded my pay grade during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Katie, in addition to all the crazy major things that we're all facing this year, you had a particularly life-changing event happen earlier this year. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah. So um, I'll back up to my husband before we get into sure. the fantastic baby news. Um, <laughs> so Chris is also a domer. He's a double domer, actually. He graduated a year after me in undergrad and then came back for his MBA. And we actually played in the trombone section together in the band when we were students here. Aww. That's awesome. Small world. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, reconnected just a few years ago at all all things, a Rob Zombie concert and um, just hit it off. And we've been married for three, a little over three years now. And this year we had our first kiddo. So that's great. Very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, girl. Uh, girl, Elizabeth, oh, she's actually seven months exactly today, oh. which is very oh, exciting. Wow. Happy birthday, yeah. Elizabeth. So she's wow. a total COVID baby, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I, we had her and then it's actually funny. We saved the paper from the day she was born and was talking about a COVID outbreak in China. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. It is really crazy. Yeah, that kind (laughs) of leads perfectly into our next question. So um, obviously being a new mom is already stressful. There's uncertainties and now kind of putting the COVID situation on top of it. You know, those Mm -hmm. are probably magnified. So I guess just like what or who's been most helpful to you in trying to kind of transition into this new phase of life? Oh, yeah. Um, So it's funny. Chris and I joke around that, you know, God gives us what you can handle. Right. Mm -hmm. And God looked at Chris and I and went, these people could not handle a difficult baby. So we're going (laughs) to give them a really easy baby. So um, she's been she's been a fantastic kid. And I think what helped us, if I look at a silver lining and all of the insanity that's gone on in the past several months, it's that normally my husband wouldn't have had parental leave. And so he's been home every day, you know, working from home every day. And oddly enough, you know, for about three months in there, we didn't have any visitors because we didn't want to expose anybody, no travel. And so like no grandparents, no outside help. And it was just the three of us, this little family unit 
getting to know what it's like to be a family. And that I think was hugely helpful. And so that's my silver lining in all of this, right? We got concentrated family time for months and months and months. And I think that's been, I don't think we would be able to replicate that Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, and we're just, we were so grateful for her in the first place. I had two miscarriages before her and, Mm -hmm. you know, so we were, and I found out I was pregnant with her a month after my dad died. So it's been kind of like one wow. thing after another. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, every time I look at her, I'm super grateful. Absolutely. So even like whatever adjustment, whatever new mom problems, I mean, they kind of pale in comparison to the fact that she's here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What's her That's middle awesome. name? Hmm? Her, what's Elizabeth's middle name? Anne. So she's named after Elizabeth Ann Seton, oh, the sure. first oh. American saint, That's so, right. which was my awesome. name when I converted to Catholicism wow. was my confirmation Jeez. name. So. And the Very world cool. keeps spinning. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <So> <laughs> inquiring minds want to know, uh, yeah. Katie or Chris, who's the better trombone player? Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say me, but I don't think either of us are going to like start a band anytime soon. I mean, <laughs> we both sound really good with 300 other close friends with us. So. That's funny. Do you think that you'll try to encourage your daughter to play the trombone or? I mean, only because I'm cheap and I still own mine. So that would be an easy way for her to join band. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see if she gets musical talent. <laughs> I'm sure she will. Yeah. What do you like to do outside of work? I know that we're both whiskey fans. Anything yeah. You so like what's tastings? your, what's your whiskey of choice? That's my question. So it used to be, uh, I used to drink a lot of scotch, like I was a scotch snob, if you will. But then I switched mm-hmm. to bourbon about three or four years ago. And, uh, I like a, a bourbon called Eagle Rare that's made by, oh. uh, uh, Buffalo Trace. Really? I know that one. Do you yeah. know that one? Yes. Yeah. I actually went to the distillery last, last year when we played Louisville down there and uh, a bunch of us went to some distilleries and uh, I had a taste of that and I was like, oh yeah, this one's it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love a good um, scotch. Like I'm a big Laphroaig fan. Mm -hmm. Like if it tastes like I'm drinking smoke, I'm super happy. Um, But not to make myself to sound like an alcoholic. I do do other (laughs) things outside of work um, besides drink whiskey. Uh, yeah. So your question about what, you know, what else do I do? I am um, huge World War II history buff. Wow. So um, I read a ton. Um, I was actually just yesterday. I don't know if you guys have been to Idle Hours Books downtown. It's a used bookstore in downtown South Bend. No, uh-uh. Fantastic. Right. And it turns out they had the entire first edition run of Winston Churchill's diaries about uh, World War II. So wow. that was an exciting find. Um, and then besides that, I watched a ton of tennis. I'm a big tennis player. love watching it. Um, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, so I spent a lot of time being upset during yeah. fourth quarters. <laughs> Me too, <laughs> Thank Katie. You. Isn't it so painful? It is so painful. Even when oh. we're winning, I'm like, nope, fourth quarter, we're going to do something stupid. Wow. So, oh, man. Um, yeah, Ooh, this so is a, a separate feelings. podcast we separate could do. Separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the NBA bubble overlap with the football season has been even more emotional because I – you know, grew up massive, like Reggie Miller Pacers fans still love them. Um, Victor's my guy, but they, you know, and they were doing so well and then they really weren't. So, <laughs> so maybe I spent a lot of time getting emotional over sports. I guess I could say. Is my other yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Have you ever heard Victor sing? He's an artist. Like he can sing. And yeah, play he's good. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. Victor Oladipo. Good for him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, so as a person fully immersed in the arts here, um, do you have any recommendations for books or podcasts or movies, especially during quarantine when we all might have a little bit of extra time on our hands? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the best thing I could say now is there's an amazing amount of digital content being put out there. So, you know, go online and watch your first opera if you want, right? I mean, Met Opera is putting a huge amount of operas online. Um, Museums are doing virtual tours and, you know, National Theatre Live, uh, which is a national theater out out of London, is, you know, uh, replaying a lot of their fantastic plays. So go see Kenneth Branagh and Macbeth in a church, right? Like there's so much amazing digital content now. So like now of all times, just, you know, choose something and try it out. If you don't like it, it's free and you're at home. So, you know, no problem, no big deal. Um, I will say if you want to take a humorous, well, I find a humorous look, but um, there's a documentary called the first Monday in May. And it's about the uh, Met Museum, the big gala they have every year that like on a one tour from Vogue always runs. And especially if you've been in development, you will appreciate. So the whole thing follows them as they try to put the gala on, right? Because it's always the first Monday in May and they, they have two parallel tracks. One is the curator who's doing the ex- exhibit and then the people who are throwing the actual the gala part of it. And <laughs> some of it's fascinating and some of it's like so frustrating. Oh. You're like, like when Ottawa tour is like, I need to move this column. And they're like, that holds up the museum. So no, you (laughs) can't. So it's just kind of like this fun, humorous look at like, if you want to know what arts fundraising is like, watch this documentary. Um, It'll make you equal parts entertaining and uncomfortable. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's uh, this, now's the time to just hop online and try a million new things out because Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we'll ever go back to a world where we don't have a lot of digital content for the arts, but this is definitely, um, you know, a huge time to do it. So get out there and experiment. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's so, it's so low risk, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you're yeah. not into it, you can just click out. That's, so. right. That's totally fine. Right. You're not stuck for three more hours, like some opera that you don't want to be at or some play that you're not enjoying or some exhibit that you don't understand. Um, and I think the biggest thing is it's okay if you don't like it or don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of pressure. Like if you go to the museum, you have to, appreciate the art right mm. you don't have to may not may not be to your taste at all so leave no big deal it's okay mm-hmm. speaking of uh, three-hour plays i i'm assuming <laughs> that you you've uh seen hamilton uh, I have not seen it. Okay. I have listened to it okay yeah be- be- better yet because my question is <laughs> going to be do you have a favorite song from hamilton oh I don't think I do actually. Yeah. I just kind of, the whole thing, like the whole thing just fits yeah. together so well. I mean, some musicals you take away and it's like one or two songs are okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. that's probably what you'll listen to. Um, but Hamilton, like the whole thing is like this big, beautiful picture that he put together. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, no favorites. Yeah, James and I are slowly working on making this actually a Hamilton fan <laughs> podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> fair warning to everyone out no there. Doubt. I could watch it every day and find something yeah. different. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping. You know, it hasn't gone on tour yet, but I'm hoping post COVID it starts to tour and we get it That's here right. in South Bend because you know I was living in Chicago and like the tickets were like so expensive and the demand was so high mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'll get around to it. Of course, that never works. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping it goes on tour sometime in the next few years. That'd be awesome. Well, Katie, we're, well, we're, we're oh, oh, go ahead, G. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, we're almost at the end of our time together. Um, but before we let you go, we're going to throw a quick take five your way. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Okay. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Coming up. Coming up. Favorite city you visited? London. First thing you noticed about the Notre Dame campus? It felt like home. Mm-hmm. Favorite visual artist? William Blake. Best class you took at Notre Dame? All right, this is a tie. Oh. Between when I was studying in London, I got to take the Shakespeare class where you perform on the Globe stage. Ooh, that is cool. Which was awesome. And my other one was my English class here on campus, which was Paranoia and Narrative in the 20th Century. Interesting. Yeah. You got to study... Sherlock and uh, Fight Club and um, Kafka and uh, Hitchcock and all the good, Jeez. all the good stuff about paranoia. Paranoia, no doubt. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you think it was think, a good class? Do you think they still teach it here? Is it? No, he was a visiting professor. Oh, visiting. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hate it when the good ones are visiting. I know it. Is. I, know it. I guess that's why they're visiting. You know, they can't. They, yeah. They're going everywhere to. No one can keep them down. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, Katie, thanks so much for joining us today. This time it it always goes by quickly on this podcast. I don't know. We may have to extend the questions or something because we you know especially right now with COVID we don't get to see one another in the hallway and all that yeah. stuff so seeing you on our screen is is very delightful so <laughs> thanks for her taking the time to join us with uh today on the podcast and sharing your work and we hope we get to see you again soon yeah absolutely you can just add a Hamilton sing-along to the end of every Ooh. podcast there you go. wow <laughs> The ideas are just, oh, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, James, our conversation today has inspired me to seek out some of the finer things in life. I, I think I'm going to go watch an opera. Oh, an opera. That sounds nice. What, what opera are you going to start off with? Yeah, you know, there's, there's this one, it's called, um, Fine Nostre Sonatis. Mm, that I've seriously never heard of that one. Oh, oh, it's great. Um, you know what the title roughly translates to? Absolutely not. What's that, G? Our closing jingle, oh. at least according to Google Translate. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. But thanks for listening, folks, to the Grace of Giving podcast today. I'm your host, James Riley. And I'm Grace Brasniewski. And this has been the Grace of Giving podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, stay, stay golden. golden.